You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lone Oak Coffee. You've heard me talk about them for a while now. They've made my mornings more enjoyable. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com and use promo code COFFEE2020 to receive a discount. That's L-O-N-E-O-A-K Coffee.com. Today, I have Chase Young's high school position coach from DeMatha, William Weathers, with me. Some excellent insight into a player he knows well. Then Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch joins me for a discussion on training camp and more. You can follow him on Twitter at MichaelPRTD. Give him a follow. And then it's me with a few thoughts, highlighting one player in particular who was a fan favorite last year, but should be or could be a much better player this year. Don't forget, you can read me on ESPN.com. I'll have a story out on Friday talking about some Redskins who could provide a big help but who might be flying just a bit under the radar. Their improvement could be a factor this season. And now, here's my conversation with William Weathers. In one note, this interview was taped before the draft. Joined by Coach William Weathers from DeMatha High School, defensive coordinator when Chase Young was there. And Coach, I just want to talk to you about, or ask you first about, what were your first impressions of Chase Young when he went, when he came to DeMatha? Well, I was Chase's defensive line coach. I wasn't the defensive coordinator. At his, that time? Yeah. Um, okay. When I first met Chase, actually when I first met Chase, it was, he, I guess he, he transferred in from Pilates, maybe second semester, his sophomore year. So really didn't get a chance to work with him, honestly, until um, maybe that spring, because he was a basketball player. And um, but like what you what you notice from him is how hard he worked. Like he had a he had a good work ethic in the weight room. But one thing that 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 was interesting about Chase is like how his like his motivation, like his drive, like like that chip on his shoulder. Like you know what I mean? Like right. it's like Jordan, like like always to find something to motivate him. I think was 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 impressive to me. So like it started off. We went to I told the story before. We went to Penn State. Um, for a lineman challenge and uh, seven on seven tournament, and while he was there, um, you know he, you know he definitely dominated the camp. He was probably the one of the best linemen there, and I think he got a, he got a he got an offer from them. And then we come back to work in to work put in the weight room that following Monday, and he had tweeted, um, "Any coach that didn't offer me or hasn't offered me is going to regret it." And I was like, "Dang, my man, you just got a Penn State offer," but like. To use something like that as motivation, I think, was something that I noticed from him very, very early. Really? And that, yeah, you know, it's funny because I talked to Markel Fultz, and he was saying that both of them, when they were at DeMatha, would talk about 
being maybe the first pick in their or they that was their goal be the first pick in their respective drafts and it's kind of amazing that you know Markel was and that Chase isn't going to be because the Bengals are going to take Joe Burrow with or with Joe Burrow but that Chase is going to go where he is I mean how much did you ever hear him talk about that as a goal you know Chase usually just talked about just being the best so like like as a like he never we never sat there and said oh I want to get drafted but more he just talked about wanting to be the best at his craft right so and like you know we would do things or say things to him to make sure that he was always trying to shoot to be the best like you know if he had a bad game we would say oh man you're playing like you're going to you know some 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 low some low level school you know what I mean <laughs> um but like so he would use that like so he would talk about you know just being the best at everything like even if it was the other defensive end on the other side or at practice it's just like him just wanted to be the best so I guess in terms of him just by having that mindset is would set him aside would sit would, would set him the motivation to okay. be you know one of these top draft guys and so you said he when you would tell when you would kind of needle him like that how would he react oh it was like he accepted like he accepted every challenge so like it was like if I said Chase, man, you're not. Here's another. Here's another story. We played. Um, it was a senior year. We played Oscar Smith. Might have been the year senior. Yeah, Oscar Smith, and he didn't have his best game. He wasn't a bad game, but it wasn't like uh, like after that game he went on like a tear like the rest the rest of the year. But like this guy, um, he tweeted on Oscar Smith's team. He tweeted about like I don't know what coaches coaches be looking at. You know, Chase is not the best. Blah 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 blah. And so when I showed Chase that tweet, like. And I was like, see, this is what I'm – you have to leave no doubt when you're playing against guys. Like, you have to leave – they have to know that, wow, this is why he's going to Ohio State. And so he took that, and I think he just ran with that. Like, he never was a guy that, uh, like, would go into his shell. If I would get on him, he responded. Like, he was a guy that would respond to to anything that you would come at him with. Like, he wasn't a guy with, like, oh, man, coach is down on me. It was almost like, okay, coach, I'm going to show you why I'm chasing him, right? And <laughs> – um, he, he continued to do that every game, every practice, um, every practice he would do that. Like you, you, you knew he was, he was always going to respond. Even, even when he first came, like our first, our first, um, his, his first time at camp as a, as a junior, like he wasn't initially the starter, right? Like right. he was just transferring. You didn't really know, you know what I mean? Like those guys at the math has right. been there for a while. You know what I mean? And so when you, you we didn't put him in that starting spot initially, right? And right. like that drive, I mean that right, he was like insane, like almost like, oh, okay. Well, the person that was in front of him, he always made sure that he went right after him. Or he always went against that person in some kind of a one-on-one drill. Like he always like like he, I mean, just the way he responded, always responds is like was 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 something that that's always refreshing as a coach because you know sometimes you coach a kid and you kind of get on him and then he just goes into a tank he doesn't know any like he does he like looks off like Chase wasn't that person if, I, if you got on him he gave you eye contact and then he and then he responded to that and that I was going to ask you about that because I saw you wanted to make him earn it how quickly how long did it take before he earned it and you know was there was there you know did he say anything did he did he was it a game that he had what what, what pushed him there it was just practice so like you know we came out I mean so like we came out and uh came out and it was another defensive end that was ahead of him because he's I mean he's been there you know he's been there like you know he's a senior 
Chase was a Chase was a you know a, a junior at that time, and um, you know when we called out the first defense, you know we called out that other kid and uh, it's Shane Simmons who's the other end, and like so he he you know he didn't cry about it. he just said you know okay coach well, I'm gonna show you that um, that I'm gonna be the starter. So um, what happened was like as practice would go and how he would dominate practice, I think we probably had like a scrimmage or something right there and. Um, I remember Aunt McFarland um, at Maryland, Bo English, who's our Q. They said, "Hey, Coach Will, uh, uh, what's up with Chase? Why, why is he not starting yet?" And then, so I played it off like, "Yeah, man, like you know, I mean, you know, Chase this guy here. He's got to earn the right to be a Dematha guy. Like we're just not going to give it to him." Um, but in my heart of hearts, I mean, after like like probably like the third practice, I knew that he's going to be the start defensive end. And then Tony uh, Gallimore, who was who helped me out a little bit, who's now a defensive line coach at St. John's, he, he came up to me and said, hey, man, how long are we going to play this game? And I was like, you know, uh, second practice, he could go with the first group. You know what I mean? So it was relatively quick. Like, you saw that he was sure that should have been in the starter. He seems like a guy who would respond well to that, though. Yeah, yeah, he does. Like, he, he didn't, I mean, he didn't, like, he didn't, he didn't pout about it. He didn't have his parents come and call and say, hey, you know, we transferred in. How come he's not a starter? He he put his hard hat on and he responded well. And then obviously, you know, we played that first game against Miami Miami Central that, that day. And then, I mean, the rest is history. You also would challenge him in games. And I read something about how you challenged him in a game. Is I think it was his senior year against good counsel. What yeah. can you tell us about that little game and that story? Yeah, so the good counsel game was, uh, I mean, so we had just played good counsel the week before on ESPN. And then, um, we had to play them the first round of the playoffs, which, you know, it, it sucks to play a team after you just right. beat them, especially like a team like Good Council, who's a rival of ours. Like, so, you know, like the energy was there. And we wasn't playing our best game as a, as a, as a team, but we had just – I think we had just went up a touchdown. It might have been like 20 to 13 or something like that. And, like, we had them pinned back. And then Coach Dino, who was our defensive coordinator at the time, Called a timeout, and I remember like just pulling him aside, said, "You haven't made a play all day." Just, you know what I mean? Like you know what I'm saying? And, and which was which was completely false. Like he's made a ton of plays. Like if you watch the film, like he's made like a ton of plays throughout that game. But it was just like something I said. So then we go out back after the timeout. He rushes. They they drop back the pass. He gets a sack. The dude strip fumbles the ball. He scoops the ball up and scores a touchdown. And I. Like, and then that sealed the game, pretty much sealed the game for us, right? And it was like, wow, like, you know what I mean? Like, just that kind of motivation, that way to respond, you know, you have you extra guys to respond in certain situations, and, like, for them to respond that way was was very, very impressive. So, now well, – like, Shut up, Coach Will, I got this. Like, you know, that's what it was like. <laughs> it's nice to have a guy like Chase Young where you can say that too. It's like, I know the guy's going to go do something so I can push him in, but you know he's going to do it anyways. Um, well, the other thing is too, how you have seen his rise now throughout college and he went from being a great high school player to being a great college player. How did you see that affect him? Did you see any changes in him at all? No, he's always seen, Chase has always been, he's always been Chase, right? He's always been the same kid. Like, so, um, you know, he went as you know, he went to Ohio State and right. um why could he, you know, consider one of the best defensive line coaches in the country, Coach Larry Johnson. Yep. Um and and I think like working with him, you know, that that shot him shot him in the, out of you know man, that shot him out of this world. But what 
what I always notice about Chase is, um, and he's just been the same. Like so, like you know, he's one, you know, he's a, you know, he's a playful kid when he's singing, or come back is still like his leadership ability. Like we were playing, this is probably maybe his sophomore year. Was it his sophomore year? No, maybe his freshman year. It was a year we were six and five. Uh, Chase came back. We was playing St. John's the first round, the playoffs, uh-huh. um, and um, but like the respect that he demands, like, like that he gets from like the other guys, even like, like Chase is gone. Like he's at Ohio state now doing this thing there. And um, for him to come back and like, no, y'all need to be here. Do more. And like how the guys responded to him, it was the same thing he did when he was a senior. Right. Like it wasn't like he, he didn't big boy you or anything like that. You know what I mean? Just like I saw Chase maybe two, three weeks ago, he's working with coach Mo at, at Gibson performance yep. and, you know, same thing. Give me a big hug. We talk for a little bit, and and and, and you know, he talks about what he's eating out and things like that. But like now, nah, he's the I think he's the same, he's the same person he was when he was in at the Matha. I mean, a little bit. He's a lot bigger, right? <laughs> and a lot more mature. But I think he, you know, you you can still see him. Like if I watch him working out with Coach Mo, like you know, he has his times where he's singing, like like he used to do at practice because he thinks he's a singer. Um, but yeah, he's the same. He's the same guy. Humble kid. And I got just a couple more for you, but I want to ask you about the singing because I talked to I talked to um, Mo about about Chase, and he brought up the singing as well. What would he sing during practice? Is that what he would do? Or absolutely, it's like we'll be talking, we'll be doing some drills, so then like kind of getting a water break, and he's over there or like singing. I mean, he think, I guess he thinks he's a singer, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he would like he he just consistently sing, and he would be like Chase, like you can't sing, he like. Coach, well, I got, I got, I got, I got skills. I got, I got vocals, and I'd be like, ah. you know what I mean. So, um, but yeah, he would do that at practice or in between drills. Just I guess it was a way that he would shoot. I mean, sometimes I would hear doing on the sideline every now and then. Um, but like he would, it was like, I guess this is his way to get him ready, and um, you know, his, his, just his cool, calm, collective way of uh, you know getting things um, of, of getting prepared for. Well, I'm guessing not many people are going to tell Chase he can't sing. So that's one thing. You know, and Markel also said he had a great deal of confidence because he said in basketball he would guard Markel. And I asked Markel what happened. He goes, well, I either scored or he fouled me. But it was the fact that Chase felt like he could guard him is kind of, you know, it shows that competitive side of him. Yeah, he's a definitely competitor. Like, he thinks he's a boxer. Like, he thinks he can, he's a singer. <laughs> uh, I mean, he thinks he can play basketball as well, you know. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, but that's, a, that's just his competitive nature. You talked two more things. Work ethic. You brought up how, where, like, how did you see that? Was it was he coming in early to do things, or how did you really see that work ethic? It's just like doing the extra thing. So, here's 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 a here's a, here's another story. We had played. Uh, it might have been American Heritage, I believe, and so we had Cam Wake come and talk to the guys. You know, Cam was another great uh, yeah. math defensive lineman, and um, so I had talked to the guys and say, hey, man, you know. Cam would do things like he would run with the skills. Like, you know, so we do conditioning, we would go skills, combos, bigs, right? Right. And I said, that's what Cam did, you know? So, like, you would see him, like, oh, Cam did that? Okay, boom, I'm going to do that. Like, you know wow. what I mean? Or, I'm going to, hey, coach, I'm going to get a couple of extra, uh, a couple of extra get-offs, or a couple of extra, some some hand stuff. Like, those little things, uh, those little things um, that are, are, are things that I think, that he started picking up and started taking and adding to his game. Or he would do things like this. Like, I know one time I would talk to him about watching film. 
And he wasn't really a big film watcher initially, but like last year we were talking, uh, he came to the school and we were in the conference room, me and him just talking. He's talking about, yeah, me and Coach Larry were watching every play from my, from my, I guess it would have been his sophomore year. And I was like, oh, wow, you watch a film now. Yeah, Coach, I got to do anything I can to get an edge and get better. You know what I mean? Wow. So whether it's watching film or staying extra and then working with Coach Mo, man, you know, I mean, if you ever get a chance to come on, I mean, that, I mean, he's, he, he really works those guys in there, you know? I've heard. So, I mean, so, um, so uh, whenever you, so that kind of, that kind of thing, that kind of work ethic right there, I think is something that's like, you know what I mean? Something that's going to, that's going to even help them in the league. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I, and I think by just getting those little things from people and then, you know what I mean? Wanting to be the best is why his work ethic is the way it is. And probably from his dad, too. His dad and his mom, you know, his dad was a, a police officer. And, you know, like, you know, he probably watched his dad work midnights and really work, you know, work all night and, and things like that. Like, you get things like that from most people. And if you ever meet his dad, like his dad is a no-nonsense guy. Um, but, yeah. I, I always figure it starts from somewhere with that. The last thing is, and we're, I'm taping this with you before the draft, the Redskins, the assumption is the Redskins are going to take him. What would it be like for you guys to see him play here? Two things. Um, you know, I'm a life I'm, – I'm, I am a Redskins fan, right? Like, that's like – I mean, I, am a, I was a season ticket holder for so long until they pissed me off and I took a break. <laughs> um, so, to, for me to see Chase be in a Redskins uniform would be, like, really dope because, like, obviously I go to a lot of Redskins games, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Especially, and even, some, even when I'm – you know, if, even if I have to work as a as a police officer, working them sometimes. So, um, I it, it'd be really good to watch him play um, at home and really, uh, you know, it really it really help the Redskins, you know, you know, shape up that defense a little bit. Also, I think you know, I mean, as 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 a Dematha guy and him being a Dematha guy, it's really good to have him close to home. Sure, because it's like you know, Chase is always somebody that I can like text. Hey, Chase, man, you think you can? send me some film of yourself so I can show my guys or, you know, you think you could come to a game or come to a practice. And he always does that. You know what I mean? So now even having him close, you know what I mean? When he can, you know, shoot down and talk to the guys, especially some like the D linemen in particular, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that is something that's really uh, beneficial to, 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 to like the, the math of the community. Like, sure. You know, just to have your guy home and you know being able we can support him and then have him just being being near and still being a part of the school and and I think he did a good job of that at Ohio State so I can imagine like you know like the influence that he'll have on some of the kids in the area you know what I mean you know what I mean still being here and being from the area you know I believe you know we're going to do it at a really high level you know Hey, William, thank you very much for joining me. This was great insight on on, on Chase and, and I learned something and I appreciate it. Thank you very much. No problem, man. After this break, I'll be back with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. We'll talk about what it means for the Redskins to be ending training camp in Richmond. Would they ever go back? And we'll also talk about some of the current events going on, as well as some players that he's anxious to see in training camp. A couple months ago, I stopped into a store for a sandwich, but it was the smell of the coffee that knocked me over. That's when I fell in love with Lone Oak Coffee. I bought some of their Mexican blend and was happy for the rest of the week. Lone Oak is a small specialty-based coffee roaster company in Winchester, Virginia. 
They finished ninth in the nation in the U.S. Coffee Roasting Championships in 2017. They have received many awards for their house blend at the world's largest coffee roasting competition. Here's what I love about Lone Oak. They dial in each coffee to fit its best profile, bringing out the natural nuances and highlighting interesting flavors. I'm drinking their Brazilian blend now with a mix of nutty and almond flavors. They have coffees from all over the world. I love their smooth Colombian with hints of cocoa and caramel apple. Go to LoneOakCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. And when you order, use the code COFFEE2020. That's COFFEE2020. You will receive a 5% discount with free shipping on any orders over $25. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Now I'm back with America's podcast guest, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. And I wanted to bring Michael on because training camp will no longer be in Richmond. Certainly not this summer. They're going to go back. All the NFL teams have to train at their home facilities. But Michael, first, like, do you think this is the last we've seen of the Redskins in Richmond? Well, it's easy to think yes, certainly. Kind of a clean break there without the last year happening with, you know, with the new coaching staff. I would say ultimately that's Ron Rivera's call, whether he wants to take the team somewhere or not. I think if Ron Rivera decides he wants to take the team somewhere in future years, Richmond's a logical choice, at least in the short term. One, one person who had worked with him in the past told me he likes to do practices at night. Um, that could potentially be an issue just because there's no lights on the field. I don't True. think that's the sort of issue that would prevent them coming back from Richmond. You can obtain lights. We do have them at most major retail stores here. Um, <laughs> but but in terms of, you know, this is a chance to make a clean break. It was a seven-year run. Um, everybody can chalk that up how they will. I think there were good moments. I think there were bad moments. Um, but it does certainly feel like that opportunity to make the break. Do you think Richmond would want them back? Well, you know, it, there was the announcement a couple weeks, months ago that they were going to waive the amount the city right. paid. And that had always been the main sticking point was people saying, we don't want the Redskins here for $500,000 because that's money that could fill in a pothole or pay for the schools or whatever it is. I don't think anybody would object to the team being here for free. Uh, that that wouldn't be anything that would cause civic discontent. And, and you know, there are a lot of fans here. I mean, the, the ratings are still very good on the games here. Certainly okay. still very much uh, a Washington Redskins stronghold fan base territory whatever you want to call it so I, I think there's a segment of the population that would love that and if they came for free i think the people who dislike it we wouldn't necessarily have much to say about it and you know and i i always enjoyed going down there you know i like i mean i i think it's it opened my eyes to what an underrated city i think it is especially when it came comes to restaurants and number of places that we were able to go to and you were one of our tour guides basically there i mean richmond owes you you know they should give you a key to the city for how many different places you showed us but and then we would tweet about them but um so i always enjoyed it there but you're there are you surprised that it went the way it did? Did you think it was going to go differently? Well, you know, that first year was the RG3 year. Right. And that place was packed to the gills every packed. single day. And people were going nuts and there was optimism. If hey, I don't have to relive it for you, you, you remember how that time right. was. And I think that may have set an unfair standard that all future camps were judged against. Because when we got to the Case Keenum camp, the people were not six deep on the hill and were not clamoring for Case Keenum's autograph after practice. And I, I think that kind of produced the narrative of people are over this. People were over the losing. I think people, right. and you see that at FedEx Field every week too. 
people people right. are over, you know, that's three and thirteen seasons. And I was telling um, Bram Weinstein, my producer, just you know, this is kind of the same thing. We were talking about this, and my point was it kind of mirrored the lack of interest in general. And it was as much it wasn't about Richmond per se, as much as it was they went, you know, fans went from RG three and Mike Shanahan, big names, big person, you know, personalities and all that to Case Keenum and Jay Gruden. There's a little bit of a difference there. It's not going to excite the locals. So if you're not winning, what is going to draw somebody out there? And I think like Chase Young may have brought some people out there initially this year. And if Dwayne were doing something, yep. um, I think that, but, but yeah, no. So I don't know, like, I don't know that it was necessarily a failure down there as much as it was the team was a failure overall. Yeah. And I would say certainly there, there was economic impact and there was awareness and you know, that neighborhood, the Scott's Edition neighborhood, you guys got to see it transform over the seven years. Yeah. There's breweries now, there's restaurants. It's a happening place. So certainly, oh. it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think Haskins, I think everybody wants to love Haskins. Right. But is, di is dipping one toe in that water. I think if he has a gangbuster season this year and then things go great, I think everybody's jumping on that hype train. Yeah. They're just, everybody's been burned one too many times to, to go all the way in. You know, it's funny because like, I guess the Richmond experience kind of, again, mirrors what's been going on overall because you talk about the hope. I mean, that's where this fan base, it seems like, I don't know about your experience. When I talk to people, I, people want to believe. They want to believe that this time is different. God bless this fan base because they want to believe that, yes, Dwayne's going to get it done and Chase Young will be this and Ron Rivera is going to get him right. And I, you know, I don't, you know, you, there are a lot of good things that you see. I mean, what are, you know, how do you assess this? What's going on? I mean, and, you know, is this hope real? Do you think? It, it just what a critical juncture overall. Yeah. For the team and for, for Dan Snyder's ownership of the team entering its, its third decade now where you say, you know, you can only run through this hope cycle so many times before people start running off and, you right. know, I, I think that was part of having training camp in Richmond. The Richmond fans have been with him the whole time. But you can think about fans on the Maryland side of the border. The Ravens win a lot of football games. And, right. And, you know, have, have engaging, fun, young players. And, uh, you know, if you're a kid growing up in Maryland, I, I get why you want to wear that, that Ravens starter right. jacket right now. Uh, they need to reclaim a little bit of that magic. The NFL is a league, as you know, that is built to get everybody – up and down and on the cycles and, and as close to eight and eight as humanly possible. So to not be on an up cycle for as long as they have is certainly rare. It, you can look at it two ways. One is they're due for it or, or one is, you know, it's not going to happen for these guys. But I, I think everybody likes the move so far. How can you not love Chase Young, of course? But I think if anybody's going to be the guy to change the culture, Ron Rivera is that guy. And you know, it's, it's tough to feel too much hope, but they are making the right moves on paper. With, with the training camp not being in Richmond, how much will your wife miss you going out and taking us out to different restaurants? <laughs> we'll, we'll miss having the cookout. Um, I know. I always enjoyed having you guys over for that. Uh, I, you know, I'm just hopeful I'm in Ashburn watching training camp. That's, uh, that's well, my hope. I am, I am too. I don't will. Who knows? That's a thing like, Nobody knows what's going to go on. We don't even know if it's going to be open to us. How are we going to be able to talk to players? Are we going to be spread on the sidelines six feet apart? I mean, it'll, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be different for everybody. So I don't know, but it is funny. Cause like, again, going back to, I always like going down there because you get a chance to know some of the other reporters really well, go to your house for dinner, Paul Woody's house for dinner. Wes McElroy had that, you know, a couple of times, 
So it was always an enjoyable thing, but I think that was it was an upside for the team too. You know, yeah. I think it's good for the team to be somewhere for a month. Most NFL teams don't do that anymore. Right. I think there is real tangible benefit to it. Back in the day, they would go away for like six to eight weeks, and you kind of needed to because you didn't have the same off-season programs that you do now. But I do think there's something different when you're living in a hotel together or something like that. And you're in this shared experience versus this kind of scattering after practice. But I do think there's something that should build. But then having said that, when they were down there, it didn't really translate to anything. So <laughs> I don't know. But I do think in theory, I'll tell you what, the other thing I'll miss are the joint practices because they're not going to have that this yeah. year. And, you know, I think we all saw one of the more interesting ones against the Texans. But I would say, first off, we saw the Tom Brady RG3 practice. Yes. Stone Circus. But oh, then, yeah. then the fight with the Texans was, of course, a great, great memorable moment um, as immortalized on Hard Knocks where Jonathan, yes. Jonathan Joseph turned and said, let's get the F out of Richmond. Yeah, yeah, that that was. A, yeah, you know, I forgot about the Brady stuff, too, because that was Gruden's first year. And what I remember from that one, what my takeaway and you give me your takeaway, you probably you're going to have a better takeaway because it's going to be more um, snarky, maybe. Um, <laughs> but. My takeaway was the difference in approaches. Incredible. At the time, I thought, well, it's Jay's first year. Later, I thought, that's when you establish it. But watching the business-like demeanor of the entire Patriots roster, that was one. And just the sprints after practice, the or they almost like it was almost like if you had the the Soviet hockey team back in the early <laughs> '70s. That's how it came. That's how it felt. And then you watch Brady snapping at receivers for not running to the huddle fast enough. And then I'd see, um, you know, who's the corner they had, um, corner they had, the, the top corner they had. I can't remember who it is. Who it wasn't McCourty, was it? No, no, no. It was, the guy was great. He's a Hall of Fame. He's going to be a Hall of Fame. Right? Long? No. Yeah. And I'm, but okay. anyways, but just watching their competitive battles in, in the, against the Redskins receivers, watching how they reacted to a negative play in a practice versus how the Redskins defensive backs reacted. It was very different. And that's, you know, those are, those. I don't know what stood out for you. That, that was my second year covering NFL football. And I think, you know, there's always the tendency because you only see one team during training camp. This is even true now and whatever right. is your eight for me. You only see one team during training camp and you see them do good things and you convince yourself this football team is good. And when the Patriots stood on the same field as the Redskins, for three days, it was just so painstakingly obvious. One right. of these football teams is good, and one of these football teams is a disorganized mess. And it just threw that into such stark It didn't contrast. take long to figure out. But like I said, and at the time, you're thinking, okay, well, it's his first year, and this is the 15th year for at the time. That's when you establish things. And I think what was established was exactly that. And we saw in Richmond. You mentioned the you mentioned the sprints. I'll flesh it out for a second. So after practice, practice is over. So the Redskins guys are all trotting to the locker room. The Patriots players, if I remember right, this was player led. They lined up all the guys on one side of the field and ran yeah. sprints back and forth across yeah. the field. And one of the Redskins guys, I mean, maybe like a Will Blackman or one of the veteran guys sees it and like grabs a few of the other Redskins guys like hey, let's do this. Like, yeah, we totally do this too. Um. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Darrell Revis. That's who I was thinking of. Hey. I can't believe this is how, 
it's it's my knee surgery, Michael. It's nothing else. It was the knee surgery he was talking. So, but yeah. But anyway, you know what? A lot of guys are going to have to play their way back into into shape this year during during training camp. You know, we're not. Well, I'm a little bit afraid because I had the shoulder surgery a couple of years ago, and I had the knee surgery. Now I don't know if like it might is my durability going to be questioned. And or you're the bionic reporter. Well, yeah, I don't. Yeah. A um, couple more things um, before I get into the heavier topic. Who are what player are you most looking forward to seeing once we're able to go back and see them? Yeah, well, you know, Chase Young's an easy answer, so we'll just toss that aside for a second. Of the rookies, I'm really excited to see on offense Antonio Gibson and on yeah. defense Kalik Hudson. And I would say the reason on both those guys is they kind of transcend a, a basic positional designation. I, I think Ron Rivera and his crew, Jack Del Rio, Scott Turner, will be able to, to do really fun, innovative stuff with those guys. I don't know if we'll see it right out of the gate. They're later round draft picks. They're not going to be instant impact right. guys. But I think watching them might give us a hint as to what Scott Turner wants out of his offense and what Del Rio wants on the defense. You know, Hudson's a guy who he can he can move around. He can hit some guys. He can make some plays. On offense, obviously, Gibson lining up as a running back, but he's going to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield too, which we know Rivera likes a lot. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see. You know, I always love those guys who kind of, you know, transcend that positional designation and see what they're able to do. Yeah, and you know, it's funny for me, and I mean, I, I'm anxious to see them too. I guess some of the, for the veteran guys, the two that I'm really anxious to see would be, and I'm going to talk about them more in the podcast later. That's a little teaser, but I'll just Ooh. give you the names right now. But Jimmy Moreland and then Steven Sims Jr. Because I think- Some big second-year leaps there. Right. I think that's, and I think Moreland could be a guy that we're going to be back to the um, people's corner is going to be coming out again, but- I think there's a lot of reasons. I'll explain them later, but I do think he's one and Sims would be the other for me. I'll toss Landon Collins on that mix too. I think he okay. got a bad rap just because the defense yeah. as a whole was bad. I do still think he could be an impact player oh, at the NFL level. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely believe it. And I think that this will be a better group for him to be around. So, and then now I get into the heavy stuff and there's been a lot of unrest obviously in society and you and I don't have the answers and, and I'm not going to pretend to do that. And so, but the one thing I do wonder is, you know, the Redskins have been silent throughout this. And they most a lot of teams stopped doing their Zoom this week, and the Redskins were one of them. That's fine. I think they want to make sure they're saying and doing the right things. I don't know that anybody knows what the right thing to do right now is. Ron Rivera, you know, hasn't really come out and said anything. Is that is that an issue at all, do you think? And I'm not trying to make it one. I'm just asking. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think it was interesting yesterday, the Redskins uh, – on Tuesday, the Redskins social media did the the blackout, and you know, there were there were a lot of comments on that. A lot, of, you know, national people obviously took that opportunity to swing at the pinata. Um, you know, it, I always try to separate the people inside an organization from from the organization. Right. And you know, what I know of the Riveras, I don't know as much as you know a lot of the longtime Carolina folks, but they say the same thing. So I think we're on the right track here. Correct. I think they're good people. And I think they care. And I think I think these social justice issues are near and dear to them. I would agree with the that. The Redskins have a new social media team, from what I know of them. Again, you know, very active, right. you know, very driven by these social me- social causes and social justice. Um, I also know this. Dan Snyder, the owner, gave a million dollars to Donald Trump's inauguration. Right. You know, that that's a thing that happened. And so, you know, I, there can be both things. It can be right. true that... You know, there's a lot of different people make up an organization. It's and you know, to an extent, you wear the organization you work for, but that's true of all of us. You know, it's true for you at ESPN. That's true for me. Even at the Richmond Times Dispatch, we've certainly 
run some editorials over the years that that I would I would never associate myself with. Right. But but I put on the shirt every day, and you know I put on the uniform and I go to work. Um, so I, I think there can be good people there, but I think there can also be big questions about how the owner and the organization feel as a whole. Right. And I also think the bigger issue is what is he talking to his players about? Those are the things we're not privy to more so than because I you know I think a lot of people can go out and put out a statement on social media, but are you living that? I think Rivera will live what his feelings are. You know what I mean? That, that just seems to be the kind of guy he is. So I don't, you know. Yeah, I really don't think, you know, cohesion and unity is going to be a problem for, right. for this team. I, I think they'll, they'll be on the same page together. And I think one of the great, great things about football is just the sheer number of perspectives and yeah. backgrounds you have in that locker room. That's something that I don't think there are any other sports that, that come near to what Nothing. football has to offer. I think it's one of the really great things about the sport. It is, and I think it's one of Rivera's strengths has been bringing those groups together. Now, success, we'll see where that goes. You need a lot of other factors, but that has been a strength of his. So, um, you know, I, I think it's been a tough week for a lot of the players, and I, I think it was tough for them to want to do some of the calls with us, and they, that's fine. I'm, you know, I don't, they're not up for it. Don't put them out there. This is yep. way too, that's way more important than us talking to Dwayne Haskins about, well, how well are you learning the offense right now? You know what I mean? So I just I I, I just bow to other people's thinking on that one. So um, anyways, Michael, we don't have the answer. So I appreciate you joining me. And hopefully we will see you soon. I don't know where, but I guess it'd be up in Asper. Always a good time. I will bring some ZZQ takeout just to, just to scratch the edge. Well, I... I may have to drive down there to get some, to be honest. I mean, that's, it is on, it is, that one hurts. That one hurts. <laughs> that one hurts. So, yeah. So I may, I may, I may go down there just to go to lunch, to lunch there, get enough for dinner the next, or lunch the next day, and then maybe a dinner or two. So, you know, then I'll come back. All right, Michael. Thanks a lot. Take care. After this break, I'll be back with my thoughts on a few topics, including how Jimmy Moreland could be a bigger factor this season and why. And then it's, there's something I learned after talking to Michael Phillips about how Ron Rivera is handling the civil unrest. Welcome back. Now, here are a few nuggets of information you need to know. One, Michael and I discussed Ron Rivera and the fact that nobody from the Redskins has said anything publicly, at least nobody official or in an official capacity, I guess. Few players have been outspoken on social media, but I'm just talking about just from the organizational standpoint. Listen, as Marshawn Lynch once said, it's about the action, boss. To me, what matters most is how Rivera leads his players and how they handle things internally. You can't just do things for show. My favorite biblical passage, bear with me for a minute, is from the book of Matthew when it talks about not praying on the street corner like the hypocrites do. In other words, don't just do things to be seen and praised. Real action happens away from social media, away from the cameras. It happens with everyday living and impacting others in big and small ways. Just, it's easy for me. My premise is just be good to people. Life is easier that way. Understand that your experience might not match somebody else's and be respectful of that and listen. Anyway, you don't need or want my lectures. 
I'll get on to it. I was told by a player after Michael and I talked that Rivera had a good, dis- a good conversation with the players about the current events and the unrest. You simply can't have what's going on now and then have a room full of African-American players and not address it. But the players know, and what they've told me, is it also can't just be directed at one segment of the population. Anything that needs to be done must be accomplished together. Again, the point is that Rivera addressed it with the group, and he, and he needed to, and I was told that he encouraged dialogue and that some, it seems like it went over well. So if you want a family to be a team, you must address what's ailing your players. And it sounds like Rivera did. Number two, moving on to something much lighter. One guy mentioned to Michael that I'm anxious to see in training camp is corner Jimmy Moreland. I have told you that they like him outside, and they do. I also know he'll compete inside. But that really is where Kendall Fuller is going to hold the job as a starter. However, there will be times when they might want Fuller to shift to safety, and they could bring in someone else to play the slot corner. That's where Moreland factors. And keep in mind, when he was playing there last year, it was the first time he'd ever played it. He was an outside corner in college who only played man. And that's why I think they're optimistic about him, because in college, that's all he did was play man on the outside. He relied in the NFL on his competitiveness, his ball skills, and his instinct. He has the skills, but where there were times in practice where he'd get beat a decent amount. And not beat in a horrible way, but he just it would, it would happen. He, but he'd pick a pass off. That's what we'd focus on because Jimmy Moreland picks off another pass, but there were always other plays where he did get beat, and those stand out too, especially to the coaches. Um, and, you know, he, a lot of that was happening, especially when you look back on it, because he's probably going a lot by instinct because his skills suggest that it could have been better. Now that he has a year's worth of experience, that should help him considerably. He was also new to the slot. And again, when you're in the slot, there's so much more you have to learn. On the outside, you can determine the routes in a couple different, you know, by just formation. You know where the guy's going to go, where he's aligned, where the, how the, the, the play, you know, the, the formation of the play, etc. Inside, they have multiple options and you have to be responsible more for much more than you do on the outside. So in a lot of ways, it's a much tougher job for a corner. And when you're new to it, it's even tougher. And that, and so because of all that, he could take a big step there too. But again, Fuller has a starting job out in, inside. And it, so with Moreland, it could be that he becomes a starter on the outside because of that gained experience. He's small at five foot nine, but his instincts and ball skills can help him compensate. Everybody's got a flaw in their game. His flaw would be his size. But again, with those skills, the Redskins feel he can compensate. As for why, and I mentioned this earlier with Michaels, why I'm curious about Sims. Go back and listen to the last podcast where I had his trainer, David Robinson, on for a long discussion about him. I think he can be even a better playmaker in this offense, or certainly he gives them someone else who has to threaten the defense. And I was talking to somebody with the Redskins who said that's what they like with having a guy like Sims and McLaurin and then Antonio Gibson. They feel like they have three guys who potentially can threaten the defense, and that's what you need. Now let's see how it plays out. But I, Sims is a guy that I'm curious to see. How has this work paid off for him? Number three, wrote a story last week discussing Redskins rookie defensive end Chase Young and NBA player Markel Fultz's friendship and how they set a goal in high school at DeMatha to be the top player picked in their respective drafts. Damn, if they almost didn't do it. A couple things I learned about Young throughout this, and, and I've talked to a lot of people. His high school basketball coach, Mike Jones, said he could have played Division I if he had wanted to. 
He had the talent, but was clearly devoted to another sport. But he felt like he had the skills and, and skill level to do that. And I know Chase Young is very proud of that. He one, one thing he told me during this, you know, I talked to him about guarding Mar- Markel Fultz in practice. And he would say, you know, and Fultz's comment was, he'd either foul me or I'd beat him. And, and um, Young would kind of counter with, hey, let's not get this twisted. I had basketball skills. And so he was very proud. When I told him what Mike, what Mike Jones had said, he was very proud of that. Um, anyways, the, the other thing with Young is he's a damn hard worker. And Jones would even say that, that he would go in and get shots up for basketball while still playing football. And, the, the, it's, you know, that just goes to a mindset, and that's what Young has. He was always – he wants to work on game. He was game. He wants to work on what can make him better. And, and everybody I've talked to kind of repeats the same thing. He's a damn hard worker. And I've talked to numerous people before and after the draft, and that is the common theme. I'll have a story on his growth as a player in his football journey later this summer. But this is a guy who did not work with a personal trainer until I think he was out of high school or certainly late in high school. He didn't. Need, the reason why, and part of it is his parents didn't believe in that because they wanted him to want it. It was all self-motivated. He did not need to be pushed. He pushed himself. When you combine drive with talent, watch out. That's it for this week. A special thanks to William Weathers from DeMatha High School for joining me and to Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Don't forget to visit LoneOakCoffee.com and use promo code COFFEE2020. This has been a difficult last few months, folks, and it's been emotionally draining on many levels and at many times for many different reasons and for many people. I appreciate you sticking with me, and I hope that on some small level, I'm able to provide some help by providing a distraction. Talk to you next time.